Your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Hello, my name is Trisha Markle, and this is Touching the Past, a program where we explore the heritage of Muskoka It's past and not too distant past. Now, on my last program, I had the wonderful Gary Dennis as a a guest. Well, he had so much to say that we kind of ran out of time. So I've asked Gary if he would sit in and do a second part to the program. So we're going to get back to more on Gary's actually the 50th book. And he may touch on a few things in his 51st book. So please, Gary. Go right ahead. I love listening to your stories. Well, when I taught at Huntsville Public School, I had a very good experience here. I was here for five years. Mr. Laycock was my boss. Mr. Yo was my vice principal. And uh, we had a lovely group of teachers at Huntsville Public School. And I thoroughly enjoyed our hair, stay here. In fact, on our way over, on my way over to the radio station today, <clears throat> I drove past the house we bought on Duncan Street. Irrecognizable anymore. They've done a wonderful job. Anyway, I got this brilliant, oh, well, I think it was brilliant idea because the government of Ontario had decided that we were going to become a district municipality. So that would mean that all our townships and our towns and our villages would no longer exist in the same political format. So I decided to write to every municipality in the town in the district of Muskoka to the clerk or the clerk treasurer, whichever the case may be, and ask them to provide for me on their letterhead all the names of the Reeves or mayors and the councillors and the secretary, treasurer, or whatever municipal officials they had, and would they send it to me? And I did receive every last one of them. That's totally amazing. It was. And so, in this book... I, I provided all those names. Now, you've got to remember, this was back in 1970. Most of these individuals have passed away. There are a few that are still living, but very few. So there's the Township of Freeman and Medora and Wood and Cardwell and Watt and the village of Windermere and the village of Port Carling. And the town of Valla, Valla was considered the smallest town in Canada. Then we move on to uh, Gravenhurst and the township of Monk and Muskoka and the township of Morrison. And I'm a great one. If you, if you know anything about Muskoka, I'm doing these in the order that I learned them. Then there was the township of Stiston. And I actually went out to Mr. Keeler's residence and he provided it for me in person while I waited. 
And also, uh, there would be many who may have remembered Mr. Ted Hares, and he provided it for me at, at his office. And then there was the village of Port Sydney, the township of Macaulay, where I live, the township of Draper, the township of Chafee, and I went. And it was Mr. Greaves, who was the, was the township clerk. His daughter, I believe, was a teacher at Huntsville Public School. And then I went to Percival Young, Percy Young, as he was known. Mm-hmm. And I went out to the old schoolhouse, and Mr. Young provided me with that information. And uh, Mrs. Nelson was at the town clerk here in Huntsville. She provided. And then there was McLean and Oakley, and uh, Sinclair, and Rideout. And so all those names with a little picture of each of those townships, towns, and villages is part of this book. Then, as I was saying before, we did the locks, the canal, and, and a little bit on the township of Brunel, and then the sister, twin sisters. Another part, Trish, of this book uh, is a mystery. Oh, I love a mystery. It's a mystery of the red pine plantation in Oakley Township. People were realizing that there was this red pine plantation. And when I say plantation, that means that they were purposely planted. And the forestry department down at High Falls, Ministry of Lands and Forests, as we called it then, uh, they were aware of this because the red pine that had been planted in the plantation were so much bigger than all the surrounding trees, whether they were maple or a birch, elm, or even other red pines. And This became the topic and subject of an investigation, like a mystery. And they went out, and it was in a very isolated spot. And they went and they studied, and they realized it had been made on an old abandoned farm that had been purchased by someone, and they had planted these trees. Now, the person who planted these trees was a very well-known doctor, or, well, he didn't necessarily plant them himself, but he had them done, and he may have helped, I'm not sure. But anyway, his doctor, the name was Dr. Williams. And if you're familiar with Bracebridge, you know that on Santa's Village Road, we have the most beautiful park. It's called Williams Park. This is donated by Dr. Williams to our town. And he was the one who planted the trees. The mystery, Trish, is why they grew so well. Why did they do so much better than the surrounding trees? And I guess you'll have to read the book to find out because there it is. It was a mystery. Perfect hook there. So now everybody's got to go out and Buy the book just to find out. Yes, and it was later purchased. Uh, I'm sure many people in Huntsville remember Mr. McVitie, who I believe ran a General Motors mm-hmm. dealership. Right. Uh, it was his father who then bought 
this property and he managed it and managed it very well. So that is in this, uh, this is in this book. And I think you would find a very interesting story. Now we're just going to take a pause for a moment and get you to catch your breath. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Welcome back to Touching the Past with Gary Dennis. Now, this is a two-part program, and we're into the second part. And Gary still has lots to talk about. Not only does he have one book published... (laughs) There's another one just hit the shelves. So let's get back to it, Gary. You've just got so many interesting things to tell us. Well, if you travel that Bracken Rig Road, when you come north, you'll come to the Windermere Road, the road that leads into the village of Windermere. Mm-hmm. And on your way in, if you take a left turn, at the Brat where the Bracken Rig Road comes out, you'll come to, and it isn't even marked on a map or a, a sign, but it was a little village that was called D Bank Village. And I wrote up an article on it called The Rise and Fall of D Bank. The D River is a very short river, it runs out of Three Mile Lake. And it goes over a little falls at the western end of Three Mile Lake. And, and then it eventually goes into that lake. And uh, that's about it. It little village uh, developed around the falls. And, of course, there's no secret as to why it would develop around the falls. Because where there was a cascade, you could build a sawmill, run it by water power, or a flour mill or feed mill or whatever. And so that was, in essence, why D-Bank became uh, a little populated spot. Now, people who live in Windermere won't like to hear this, but at this point in history, D-Bank was bigger than Windermere. <laughs> but we won't say too much no, more keep about it that. Quiet. We, 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 we'll keep that secret. D-Bank earned a post office in 1874. There were... Uh, a hotel there, a couple of hotels. There were several buildings. There was a store. And uh, it became a very, very well-known spot. Now, if you know anything about Watt Township and around Three Mile Lake, uh, geography is kind to that area. Lots of uh, good, fertile, reasonably level for Muskoka. Clay soil, which ideal for farming. Therefore, D-Bank became the place where you took your grain to be ground. And so that was one of the main things. And uh, uh, there was a lumber mill there and uh, there was a hardware store there. And actually, if I, I believe that George Hutchison owned that lumber mill at one time. Oh, really? And he was the one that he owned it, and then he moved to Huntsville and opened a grocery store on Main Street. Oh! 
Eventually, he did sell the mill. Yes. And I don't know who he sold it to. No. But that, that's the Huntsville connection to oh. the D Bank. There you go. You, lo- you learn something all the time. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, that was, uh, uh, there was a schoolhouse there, and it sits, and you see it as you drive into Windermere. You'll, you'll see the D Bank Road, and there's a schoolhouse there. But that schoolhouse was actually a Presbyterian church. And so the uh, Presbyterian church uh, went out, and the school board bought it, and that's why there was a, a D Bank uh, school, which became a church, which became the school. Now, why did D-Bank fall, the rise and fall? Well, the rise wasn't hard to understand. The fall came because of another unique thing about Muskoka. And uh, listeners must realize that Muskoka had the largest, most efficient inland waterway system, at least in North America. With our steamboats. Right. Well, if you know anything about D-Bank, D-Bank was back from Lake Rosso a distance. But Windermere was on the lake shore. And of course, Windermere got the dock and the wharf. And as soon as the steamboat started to come in to the wharf and the dock at Windermere, then there was the fall of D-Bank because there wasn't as much reason to be there anymore. And so just out of interest, there is a little cottage development in there that is called the D-Bank Village, but it's not the old D-Bank Village, but many, many folks live in there. Uh, I have a story in this book on what is called Harper's Corners. Now, that's a new one on me. I, I have not heard of Harper's Corners at all. And I would say 99.9% of Muskoka's people probably don't know. If you go to Falkenberg and take the Falkenberg Road, you go out through and you go around a corner, and that was called Harper's Corners. <laughs> that was... It was a metropolis. Oh, I'll tell you, there were six houses wow. and a schoolhouse. And uh, it's just one of those little places in Muskoka that kind of had a name, uh, was kind of a place, but didn't have a post office, didn't have anything else other than the schoolhouse. And the schoolhouse was the main center of attraction in the community. And I happened to find a lady whose relatives were Harper's from Harper's Corners. And so that little chapter is in there and and, and many pictures that she loaned me and a wonderful picture of the old schoolhouse, which is still in existence and has become a residence. I know it's amazing the number of small hamlets, sort of little areas that have have disappeared. (laughs) I know my husband's family came from a place called Emberson Corners, and it it no longer exists. No, it doesn't. Nobody, nobody probably knows where it is, except Sarah at Muskoka Heritage Place has made it her business to track down all these little places in the Huntsville area. Bless her heart. And you're doing the same for various areas in Muskoka. Yes. And we have to thank you for that, to keep them alive. Yes. I finish off this book with... Uh, 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 
most one of the most southerly communities in Muskoka called Cooper's Falls. And uh, it's one of these little areas now that there's not much left. There's an Anglican church and a free Methodist church. They both have cemeteries. Neither one of these are active. Any uh, they, The churches aren't active, but they hold annual services for the in, in remembrance of those. And the Cooper family were from England, and I was uh, able to get extensive information on that family. And I finished the book, which is a subject near and dear to my heart, Muskoka Cemeteries. And uh, I have been the site manager of a pioneer cemetery in Macaulay, called Langford Cemetery. Uh, my father was that person from 1946 to 1991, and I was from 1991 until this year. And we celebrated our 150th anniversary of the uh, existence of that cemetery. And it came about in a very sad way, and I know I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to very briefly tell you that there was a Mr. Langford whose name was Isaac. He was 54 years old. And one day he was helping his son build an outbuilding behind the house. Now, this is only a half a mile from where I live. He picked up a board. He went to hand it to his son and realized it was too heavy. And he sat it on his knee. And this is where there's some kind of a, maybe like a mystery involved. There was a needle, a darning needle, in that board. How it ever got there, no one ever knew. But anyway, it jammed into Mr. Langford's leg, just above the knee. He dropped the board, went into the house. Wife tried to pull this needle out, and apparently it was five inches long. That's why I'm calling it a darning needle. Mm -hmm. They called the doctor. The doctor came. She couldn't get it out. The doctor came. He pulled it out. Of course, we're talking 1873. So there were no antibiotics. and There was none of the modern things that we would use. Mr. Lankford was told to go to bed and rest. And he never arose from his bed. He was 54 years old. Well. Trish, those days, lots of communities, there was no cemetery. There was no burying ground. Well, you know what families used to do. Well, we'll take the upper back corner beside the road, and that will be where we will bury Isaac or Grandpa or Papa or whatever he was called. And Isaac was buried there in 1873. And that was then now designated by the family as a community, non-denominational burying ground. There's so much history just to cemeteries, the heritage, yes. wandering through and reading the graves, yeah. the names on the graves. I, my husband finds it a little morbid, but I've got to admit oh, that no, I enjoy it, it's, doing it's it. It's not morbid. It's no. fun. And this book I published in memory of Mr. Langford 
And the Langford family, bless their hearts, Mr. Langford's old monument had become unreadable, unreadable. And they provided a brand new, beautiful monument for that occasion on August the 26th, when we held the celebration of the 150th anniversary. And, uh, they, and we had 85 people came and 25 of those were descendants of the Langford family. That's amazing. Thank you for your time. I love doing this. Well, I'm going to get you to tell us where we can find your books because I'm sure that our listeners are just going to want to run out and you tell such an interesting story. The books are just amazing. So once again, where can we purchase these books? I am very fortunate that uh, the Owl Pen Bookshop on the main street of Bracebridge carry my books and they're all there. The ones that are published and you can find them there. And if, and if you want, you can also call me. Gary Dennis at 705-645-9531. Now, that I'd have to mail to you, and that would cost extra. But uh, you can get them at the Owl Pen Bookshop, and they, at this time of the year, are only open Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And their telephone number is easy to remember, because I can remember it, 645-1966. Well, thank you so much, Gary. This has been a wonderful two-parter program. And this has been Touching the Past on Hunters Bay Radio 88.7. And you can hear this show and others again on podcast. So we'll see you next time for more Muskoka Heritage on Hunters Bay Radio 88.7.